Now it's time to think and discern. This is Bob Bernie Live. And welcome to Bob Bernie Live. This is the four o'clock hour. I think that all of us would agree America's elections are at the very foundation of our freedom, our democracy, and the office in each state that is most responsible for the integrity of the elections is usually the Secretary of State's office, and that's why it is a privilege to welcome Frank LaRose, Ohio's 51st Secretary of State, to the program Prior to uh, Secretary of State, he served two terms in the state Senate and uh, has served with honor and distinction in our armed forces as well. Uh, Secretary of State LaRose, welcome to the program. Bob, the honor's mine. Great to be with you and great to be with your listeners this afternoon. I thought we would start with a little trivia and have you recite the names and political party of all the 50 Secretary of State before you. Here's a funny trivia uh, question. Though. So I'm from I'm from Summit County. Yeah, in fact, we've been together at the Ohio Christian Alliance event. Yes, in Summit yes, County we have. And when I was sworn in um, three years ago, uh, I figured out that I was the first Secretary of State from Summit County in a long time. And this tells you how long the last Secretary of State from Summit County was a member of the Free Soil Party. when that was a political party. It was a short-lived political party that was dedicated to making sure that in the westward expansion that new states were not slave states. They wanted those states west of the Mississippi to be free states, and so they named their party the Free Soil Party. Well, let me see. Would would that have been Henry W. King? Very good. And there's an (laughs) elementary school named after it. Very good. There you go. I'm so thankful for Wikipedia. All right. Enough enough of that. It is a delight to have you on the program again, Frank. And uh, yes, we have uh, spent quite a bit of time at banquets and so forth around the state, and particularly the Ohio Christian Alliance. Uh, A lot of things I want to ask you, but uh, right off the top... I think most Ohioans are absolutely thoroughly confused about this redistricting mess that we're in the middle of. Can you clear this up? What in the world is going on? Where are we at? So that's that's two. And then number three, how is this going to impact the upcoming primary, or will it? Well, perfect. Let let me get started from the beginning. That's a good place to start. Ohio created a new system for redistricting that was approved by the voters last decade. It went into effect in uh, 2021. So what normally happens, Bob, is that uh, the year ending in zero is the year that we count the heads. That's when the census happens. And the year ending in one is the year that we draw the lines. Now, for that to happen, the Census Bureau is required to get us the census data because this entire this entire exercise of redistricting is all about making sure that the districts stay the same population, even though people move around. That's why we have to redistrict every 10 years. And so the Census Bureau was supposed to get us the data on the 1st of April. In fact, they're required by law, federal law, to get us the census data so that we can start our work on the 1st of April. Well, they didn't. They weren't a month late or two months late. They were almost 
six months late getting us the census data. And it took a lawsuit from the attorney general of Ohio for them to finally cough it up. So around about September, late August, we got the the census data finally, and we began this very complex process of drawing new district lines. And let's, uh, for, for a moment, not underestimate the complexity of this. It is dozens and dozens of hours of staff work, staring at a screen, moving minute lines around to try to get those districts the same in population. And they all have to fit together so that there's three state rep Senate, uh, three state rep districts within each Senate district. It's an enormous puzzle to put these together, but we got it done and, and we passed a map through the redistricting commission. And by the way, the, the members of the commission are the governor, the auditor of state, myself, the Secretary of State, the Speaker of the House and the President of the Senate, as well as two members of the minority party. Um, and uh, and so the, the two Democrats that were on at that time were Amelia Sykes from the House and Vernon Sykes from the Senate. Well, we passed what we thought were constitutional maps. We sent them, uh, uh, you know, we, we got ready to, to get those published and out to the world. And then uh, somebody decided to file a lawsuit. The Ohio Supreme Court stepped in and said, not so fast. We think that you need to redraw these lines. But they didn't do that right away. The Ohio Supreme Court took three months to do that, in a, an incredible amount of time. And so, sure sure enough, sometime in December, we got that word. We had to start drawing new district lines, and, and we passed again another set of maps that followed the court's order and, 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 you know, and, and did what we thought the court was telling us to do. Well, three weeks later, they invalidated those maps. And then we passed— Now, let me, let, me, let, me, let me stop you. Yeah. They, they invalidated it because— Democrats and members of the Supreme Court were saying they were terribly, terribly unfair and slanted towards a Republican advantage in the state of Ohio. Is that their contention? Well, that's their contention. But but here's the problem. And I listen, I don't serve on the Supreme Court and there are some smart people that do. But um, we have what I think amounts to a liberal majority on the Ohio Supreme Court right now that has been dead set on telling us you got to draw more Democratic districts. you got to draw more Democratic districts. Well, I thought that the whole point of this was to eliminate gerrymandering. Gerrymandering is textbook definition is when you draw lines in order to create a specific political outcome. And the right. court has essentially ordered us to gerrymander. It's court-mandated gerrymandering. They've told us you must draw 45 Democratic districts and 54 Republican districts. So we finally did that as well. And that's where we are today. We finally passed these maps. They're not great maps. I don't think they're anybody's version of an ideal map, but they comply with the Constitution, sort of bare minimum constitutional requirements. And they comply with this pretty arbitrary number that the court set for us that they thought we had to hit. So here we are. We passed those just two weeks ago. We also just recently passed congressional districts. The same problem had existed with the congressional districts where this liberal majority on the Ohio Supreme Court kept kicking them back to us. And so here we are today. The state law says that it is my responsibility to run an election on May 3rd. I don't get to pick that day. It's what's set in the law, and that's the way it should be. The Ohio General Assembly doesn't want to change that date, and and I don't blame them for that. And so what I've directed the boards of elections to do is to take these maps that we have passed and to get ready to run this election. Now, to be clear, we've given the boards of elections about three months worth of work to do and only given them about a month to do it in. Mm -hmm. And so as we speak, Bob, they are working overtime at the boards of elections. Drive by your board of elections tomorrow. You'll see the parking lot full of cars because they're working on Saturday. Uh, They're putting in a lot of time. And and as people of faith, we really should keep them 
in, in our but, prayers but because has, it is a very stressful time for them. Has the Supreme Court in Ohio signed off on these new maps, or is that still in limbo? They have not signed off on the maps. Who knows if they will or if they won't? But to be clear, the way that the law works is that those maps are legal maps once they're passed by the Ohio Redistricting Commission. It doesn't say in the law that the court must proactively approve them. Of course, the court has the ability to strike them down. But those maps are the maps until and unless they are deemed unconstitutional. So that's what you're waiting for. And that could happen. The Supreme Court could strike them down again and you're back to square one. But to be clear, we can't wait, right? This is like the kid who thinks that tomorrow is going to be a snow day yeah. and that school's going to be canceled, so he doesn't do his homework. Well, that could turn out really bad for you, right? And so we're not going to hope that tomorrow's a, a snow day and then fail to do our homework. We've got to be ready at those boards of elections. I've had people say, well, what if the court strikes down the maps? Well, the, the natural uh, other side of that coin is what if they don't? And if they don't, we need to be prepared to do this really big job of running a statewide election. I mean, think about this, Bob. You're talking about 4,000 polling locations across 88 counties staffed by over 50,000 poll workers. You're talking about potentially thousands of overseas military ballots that need to go out in just a couple weeks. Uh, You're talking about an incredible logistical undertaking. So we are preparing and running full speed ahead to be ready for that May 3rd election. If the court strikes them down, then we'll be back to the drawing board in some ways, but we cannot just wait around for that to happen. I also wanted to share something with your with your listeners, because my team put in some long hours last weekend and built a website so that people can find their district. Uh, mm. This is a, a service of the Ohio Secretary of State's office. If you want to find out which congressional district do I live in, which state house or state senate district, at the Ohio Secretary of State website, we have a Find Your District tool. You just type in your address, and it'll pop right up. You can find that website at voteohio.gov, voteohio.gov slash districts, voteohio.gov slash districts. That's the trusted source. It's the official state government website where you can get all the district lines and know exactly what district you live in. Uh, and I don't know. You only agreed to one segment, uh, so I don't know what your schedule is like. Could I have you to the bottom of the hour? If not, I understand. Let's do it. All right. We're talking with uh, Secretary of State Frank LaRose. And uh, when we come back, we can continue this discussion a little bit. But I want to ask Frank LaRose about his experience in Ukraine. The attention of the entire world is on Ukraine. And uh, he has an interesting and unique perspective. We'll be right back. Talk radio that makes a difference. Makes a difference. This is Bob Bernie Live. And we have the privilege of visiting with Ohio's Secretary of State, Frank LaRose, who... uh, Spent quite a bit of time in Ukraine in 2019 uh, to serve as an observer of their elections. Uh, Frank, I know I've been in Ukraine as well, probably not quite as long as you were. But when I see the images on TV, the video screens, I'm just kind of taken back there 
Is that happening to you as well? Are you seeing places that were familiar to you and they're being destroyed right in front of our eyes? Absolutely. And it's heartbreaking. Um, I'm also checking in with friends there. Um, a, a city that I spent a, a lot of time in was Ivano-Frankivsk in the in the western region of Ukraine. Uh, that's an area right now where a lot of the internally displaced persons, the refugees, if you will, have moved to because they thought it was a safer area, but it was actually bombed by the Russians last night. So I was checking mm-hmm. in with some of my wow. friends there. Um, and we're, we're I hope all keeping the people of Ukraine in our in our prayers. Yeah. When you see on the television news these reporters doing their uh, you know their reports, in many cases they're from the roof of the hotel that I stayed in in Kiev, and you see behind them in many cases this beautiful Eastern Orthodox yeah. cathedral, which yeah. is of course a place of of worship, but also a very important icon for the the, the Ukrainian people. It's symbolic to them. It's it's a, it's a symbol of their country in, in right. many ways. I would go for a run early in the morning as I try to stay in shape, and I ran around uh, Kiev quite a bit. And my runs would always start with a, a lap around that uh, around that beautiful cathedral, and and uh, just to see that now um, there are sandbags stacked up in the yeah. windows, and, and this kind of thing is just heartbreaking. Yeah, it, it it is. I've been to that cathedral as well. Uh, you were there in 2019 to observe their elections. Um, let me set up my question for you by recounting mm-hmm. what I heard on conservative radio several days ago. This was a nationally syndicated conservative talk show host. He had a guest on that was a retired U.S. military. I don't remember what his name was. But what the guest was saying was, "Ah, Ukraine is corrupt. The government's corrupt. Zelensky is corrupt. The election was corrupt. Eh, let's just stay out of there. They're basically getting what they deserve. And I was, I was shocked, appalled, and angered as I heard that, yeah. Frank. Uh, what can you tell us about the, el- and, and <laughs> the election of yeah. Zelensky and their government? That's shocking and appalling uh, to me as well. A couple things on that. First of all, is the government of Ukraine perfect? No. Well, perhaps no government is. They are a former Soviet bloc country that has had some growing pains. Uh, they have some problems with corruption, a lot of it tied to some of these very wealthy oligarchs who have bought influence for themselves and, and try to uh, engage in what we would consider political corruption. Um, I can tell you that no country is perfect, and, and, and Ukraine certainly has its problems. But it is also a freedom-loving nation that is striving for democracy. They are trying to get this right. They are trying to govern themselves and give people the power to choose their leaders. They are trying to create a modern economy where men and women can raise their families and engage in the free market. And that's exactly what Vladimir Putin fears. He he detests the idea of a free democratic nation on his southern border. He yeah. he hates the idea of free men and women getting to choose who their leaders are. I mean, think about right now, his chief opponent Putin's is locked up in a jail cell because he tried to kill him with poison. Right. We're talking about election Alexei Navalny. Right. He tried to kill this man with poison and failed and so now he's got locked up in jail. So of course Putin fears having uh, a freedom loving nation on his southern border and and 
um, you know, he's got this fantasy about reconstructing the old Soviet Union. He, he wants to sort of rebuild uh, that, that, that old block of countries. And, and so Ukraine is his first target. Now, listen, the election that I observed was actually a very hopeful affair for me. First of all, they elect they elected a candidate in Volodymyr Zelensky, who was an unusual choice. That was not who most people thought had a chance. He was the uh, he was the underdog. Uh, think about all of the things. First of all, he'd never run for public office before. He is a Jewish man in a country that's not majority Jewish, and, and he is a Russian speaker in a country that's not majority Russian speaking. He grew up in a family that spoke Russian, like a lot of Ukrainians. And um, and nobody thought he could win this. He, he, had, he had actually played the role of president in a television drama. <laughs> uh, and so he was an actor who had played the president of Ukraine, and uh, and decided to run and, and and you know what even though he was an unconventional choice I, I think that the world has seen that this man has yeah. risen to the occasion he's rallying his nation he's showing the people of Ukraine that he is not afraid so they should not be afraid that election gave me hope in several ways they were very much aware that the Russians would try to interfere in their election so they took a lot of really smart uh, mm -hmm. steps to safeguard the integrity of their elections and I was glad to see that I. I was at a polling location in Ivano Frank. And Frank, fact, we've we've got a, we've yeah. got about thirty seconds, so we're going to have to sure. wrap it up. And I apologize, we have got about thirty seconds. No, no, they count the ballots at the polling location there, and um, they have to reconcile to make sure that the number of voted ballots add up, and so that they know that they got it right. I watched them recounting until three a.m. Wow. Because they were off by two until they got well, it right. Bottom line, we got to pray for the people of Ukraine. Frank LaRose, Secretary Amen. of State. Frank, thank you so much for your time today. God bless you. Thank you.